1: you are listening to Claret and Blue an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live Hello, welcome back to the Client Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowlandson and we've got something slightly different for you today. I'm joined by Danny from uh, Bedford Lions. I'll I'll introduce you properly in a second. First of all, how are you?
0: I'm very good, thank you. Thanks for having me on.
1: So as we're recording this, it's Thursday night, so we haven't kicked off their season yet. But by the time everyone's watching this, I think it'll be Monday morning. So we'll have just played our first game on the Saturday. Um, Do you think we won our first game? Are you confident?
0: Um, Actually, No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I remember Tommy even giving a penalty away in the mm. first minute and I hadn't even like, taken my eyes off my bolty pie at that point I didn't know what had happened and then we ended up losing They just seemed to be a bogey team for us but nah, we, hopefully we would have won I mean, they've not had um, a lot of luck after in the transfer window um, They've lost quite a few players We should do, we've had a solid pre-season, haven't we?
1: Yeah, I I think we won 3-0, so let's just see how silly we look on on Monday morning when this goes out. All
0: right,
1: Um, 2-1, 2-1. We're going to have a bit of a a scattergun to this podcast, a scattergun approach, I think. We've got loads of topics to cover. When we discussed you coming on the podcast, you said you've got your finger in a lot of pies, which is a terrible (laughs) phrase, really, but you are involved in lots of things. One of those things that you're going to help us with later down the line is that, I'm going to say this now on air for the first time, we are going to be running the half marathon in Birmingham in May 2023. Now, I am (laughs) a... nowhere near in a fit enough shape to do this i've seen lots of talk about 12 week plans i need a 12 week plan before i start my 12 week plan <laughs> let me tell you i've got weight to lose but i've got an end goal it's something to work towards it's a date to go for i've i've said it now so i've got to do it i've got to slim down i've got to get fit ash is doing it with me and john and pat and we'll have plenty of chat on the marathon at the end of this podcast there is a link to donate to us we're doing it for acorns and the villa foundation so if you want to support us, we've set a goal of eighteen seventy-four pounds Um, a number that's obviously synony- synonymous with Villa. Whether we can get that, I'm not quite sure. But if you want to go and donate the price of a half-time bov rule or a match programme, that'd be great. Thank you very much. Like we said, fingers in lots of pies, Villa Bella's. Yeah. Let's start with that first, the official Villa Women's Network. Um, First of all, before you share your involvement with that, tell us the importance of why these groups even need to exist in the first place.
0: Well, you've probably heard about Fans for Diversity, which is like a collective group of a few supporters' networks. Um, And it's because football needs to be a safe and inviting place for everybody. And it's not just in the stands, it's in the pubs, it's in the streets, it's walking to the ground and just in life in general. Because football is our national sport. Women, we make up 50% of the population. And although, you know, the women's uh, Euros was very successful, men's football is, is still the biggest sport in the country. It's our biggest export to the rest of the world. Arguably, um, it's such a massive cultural impact on British culture in general, and women can't be excluded from that. We make up half the population, um, and very much we end up inheriting the same football team as our our dads and our granddads and whatnot. And we're part of the football family as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So, there's, there's a couple of things that Villa Bellas are quite interested in doing, and it's not just raising our profile and making going to men's games um, more uh, acceptable and and easy to do. But we do also want to help people um, sort of get interested into even the, the women's games. That's really important to us as well. So we were officially launched at the last game of the WSL, um, which we played at home at Villa Park uh, mm. against Birmingham City. We don't need to go over the result, to be honest, but <laughs> um, we, um, but that's when we officially launched and partnered with Her Game 2. And they're a massive mm. movement. Um, they've got a huge social media presence, particularly during the Women's Euros. Um, and again, it's just about visibility and having that safe space um, everywhere in every aspect of football culture, that it's not just in the stands itself.
1: Mm. You mentioned there about, you know, you inherit your football club from your dad or your granddad, and it should be that we get to a place where daughters want to go to football because their mums used to go. It's a female thing as well. Do you think we'll get to a place, obviously, I'm kind of jumping ahead here, The further down the line there is more acceptance and more kind of it isn't just a men's thing?
0: hopefully these things take time and it'll be quite slow and people will say well women do go the football but when you look at the percentage of the crowd it's still quite small and you'll always hear I always wrote my dad and it's like Mm. that's that's really lovely I mean because dads are our allies they're the first people that I wrote like opening the gates for girls and women to go to games and feel protected because they're with male family members but it's not something really that women do and there's a small pocket Mm -hmm. of of, of women that I see regularly home and away um who've been going for years but it's a very small number in comparison Mm -hmm. obviously to to
1: fellas. Do you feel like when you do go with friends or maybe you know, other, other girls as well, you do have this kind of mentality, we've got to stick together here?
0: Definitely. Um, so most of the time I go to the football, I'm with my, people from my supporters club, I'm in a Lions club as well and obviously that's um, you, you feel protected because you, you're in a sort of a, a big gang, so to speak when I've been able to get a ticket on general sale for my best mate down here um, and we go together do feel a bit more of a target um, for mm. catcalling um, and having to justify ourselves in conversations. Why do we like football? Like We have to justify and validate why we've had the audacity to turn up to the football. And it's quite frustrating. We, you know, it's something that I deal with also even on social media where it's probably a lot worse because the nature of social media and a lot of people having anonymous mm. accounts...
1: I mean, I, I was about to say, then, like going back a few years, like as if I'm like a you know middle-aged bloke. I'm 27. Even going back a, a few years, you know, you almost have that feeling of like, you know, what do women know about football? What, you know, why why is she ringing into this radio station? What do you know? What does she know? Does that kind of mentality still exist, or have we already gone past that?
0: Oh, we're not past it, not by a, a far shot. And it's even the women's Euros will show you that from stupid sexist memes that have been going around Mm -hmm. with like irons and all sorts and it's just a bit convoluted and a bit lowbrow and it's like come on it's at that point where you know it's just not banter it's just archaic and it's Mm -hmm. just unfunny it's not like I'm offended like not funny I'm just like it's unfunny, it's childish and
1: it's just pathetic. I mean, if my job didn't involve social media, I wouldn't be on it because I, I don't, it doesn't bring any value to my life. So you know, what what is the point? At Villa Park, though, specifically, I know you go to lots of away games and we'll tie in your, your Bedford Lions finger in your pie later as well. Yeah. Um, how welcoming does it feel at Villa Park or unwelcoming? What's it like actually in the stadium on match days?
0: I love it. And obviously I would say that because I'm a season ticket holder and I've been going for a long time. But if I cast my memory back to when I first started going to the football when you didn't don't know people, it can be quite intimidating. Again, it comes back to um women feeling like they can go. I wouldn't have gone by myself to Villa Park. I, I went for my other half. And he's a you know a great big strapping soldier. So I feel quite I've met him
1: once, so he's a big guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um but I wouldn't have gone by myself. And, and then when we did meet um, the other people that we went later on, went on to form the Bedford Lions, um, now going, it's just nice seeing the familiar faces um, before or after the game. And then when I go to the stands, I'm in the cheap seats in, in the lower north and I absolutely love it. And I, I wouldn't swap it for, for anything. Well, I might have to next season when they knock it out, <laughs> um, but um, the conversation I have with the people around me um the last couple of seasons, we get to the end of the season we're like, are we renewing again? we renewing are we staying here, and we're all having that discussion because like, no none of us have sort of like gone off to Trinity or the whole we uh we like where we are, we're sort of in between the goal and the corner flag um under the players lounge and so it means that when we score in the north end it's like they come and celebrate right in front of us and it's it's yeah it's just the
1: best. Let's talk about away trips in a second. I kind of feel like we should have mentioned the Bedford thing right at the very start, really, because that is brings a lot of context to this kind of stuff as well. You live far away and you come to Villa uh, every home game, like you said, with a season ticket. Mm-hmm. Loads of away games as well, which is probably easier for you in where, where you're based. I mean, mm-hmm. Villa Park is the away day, isn't it? Basically, if you're traveling all that way, you want it to be a nice experience. Like, forget all the football side of things for, for, for now, because obviously, going to any game, if you if you lose, whatever. If I was going back five minutes on the way home, I'd be I'd be annoyed about it. Never mind an hour. Forty-five, um, but once you get there you want to, to enjoy your experience don't you you're Not you don't want to be the subject of catcalling or some bloke saying you know sit down you don't know what you're talking about I mean that can happen to, yeah. to anybody but obviously we're talking about women here and you, you know you've got a bit of a target on your back
0: yeah and you know at Villa Park I do feel um protected Um generally it's, it's just we're very lucky we've got a, a, a beautiful ground we're all very proud of it and I think we all feel very connected to it you mm-hmm. can't help but feel anything but pride when you're walking up to it and you're seeing the halt and all that beautiful brickwork. and it's just like <sighs> Philip Park's ours and, and I do feel quite at home well I do I feel at home at home even though it's quite quite far to travel Um, the feeling around there is just amazing before the match I think at the moment though I, like most people would probably say there's, there's a lack of uh, sort of like hospitality options for for your regular uh, season ticket goer. So I'm really looking forward actually to, to the plans that um, have recently been released with the fan mm. park and, yeah. and whatnot. We definitely need, a, we deserve a world-class venue. Mm.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Um, the flip side of that then, away trips, like we said, the Bedford Lions, uh, going go to all these different away games as well. I mean, that's a different experience for anybody. I mean, I don't get to as many away games now as I used to before I started working here. And even then it was only maybe three or four a season, maybe five, um, depending on time and whatever else. But now it's I usually work on a, an away game and then go to the home games. So, you know, away is more hostile, you tend to think of, more drinking. Is that yeah. any different? Obviously, the Villa fans will stick together at an away game, but then you've got you know, 30,000 home fans to contend with. How is that as a, as a woman?
0: So going away with the villa and being part of the villa, you are part of a family and so long as you're with everyone else, you're not going to get any trouble whatsoever.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, sometimes it's the away fans, uh, or the home fans rather, when we're going away, um, that can get, end up giving us stick. Um, they give stick to anybody in claret and Blue, to be honest, but when it comes my way, then there's always obviously like an undertone to it, whether it's sexist or... Um, you have to get personal about my appearance or something like that and it's just a bit unnecessary. I've, I've got a kind of personality where I'm um, you know, I, I feel like I can take care of myself but for someone that's a bit more timid and really loves the villa it could be really off putting for them to go Um, the best thing, I mean the first thing that I would recommend to anybody who's going away is, is find friends that go to football, make allies find people that you've Got that a part of your pack, so you mm. know which pubs you're going to, who you're going with, how you're travelling there on the train, and that would avoid any of the trouble. Having said that, you know the Bedford Lions, we're, we're lovers, not fighters, and there's very little trouble uh, when when we do go away. <laughs> there is obviously a, a drinking culture, but it, it always seems really good natured. And I think about some of the, the away days last season, like. Burnley when everyone's at the cricket club uh, drinking in the sun and there's a game of cricket going on and and I just think and I look around me at at the same old faces and um, everyone's just having a nice time you know Mm. just sometimes the football gets in the way in the way of a good away day
1: without kind of bringing the mood down (laughs) but I feel like I have to ask the question Um, what's like kind of the, the worst experience you can think of going to a football game, where it was a, a chant or a moment or somebody said something that you didn't like or is there anything that springs to mind?
0: I can't say I've had anything that's worse. It's been like traumatic um, other than sort of regular sort of low-level catcalling and whatnot um, as a woman. And what I will say is the worst thing that I heard in, in stands was was actually homophobic chanting. Mm. That made me feel the most uncomfortable. Um those people were obviously, you know, people in, around them did stand for it and, and sort of uh, said things to them. But um, I think sadly sometimes at the football and part of the intimidating culture, and I don't mean to be, sound so um, blatant when I say this, but I think amongst groups of some young men in particular, um, there's there's a culture of sort of like open drug taking on occasion. Um can't handle themselves, and that's 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 the sad thing, and that's the intimidating bit about being away. Um, mm-hmm. The small pockets of that, even in the villa end as well. Um, as we always say, we've always got a couple of idiots, and um, yeah, sadly, that's just an aspect of, of football culture that seems to becoming more acceptable.
1: Tell us a little bit about Villa Bella's and the, the mission statement, and what you what you hope to achieve there, and your kind of role role in that group as well.
0: Yeah, well, Villa Bella's was founded actually by uh, Sarah Breslin. Um, so, if you guys watch Twitter page, you can see that she's on there as well. Um, she's actually season ticket holder at uh, Villa Women, um, and whereas I'm more like the two see, so to speak, and I'm uh, a season ticket holder at Men's Games as well. So we cover both of the teams between us. Um and essentially the point of the Villa Bellas is because football is for everyone. Everyone should feel safe, welcome in the stands or on the pitch, whether you you know a young girl wants to get into football and playing football. And essentially just supporting inclusion and diversity and just aim uh, to raise the voice of women in general. Um and just to celebrate ourselves and, and champion ourselves as well, and um, like I said earlier, it, it's just letting us just be ourselves at the football, not having to validate ourselves why we're there and having to prove ourselves by, you know, what's the offside rule or who was the starting eleven when we played Chelsea in nineteen ninety nine? Like we don't we don't need those tests, you know. It's just but. <laughs> It, it's, it's just one of those things. But in general, I think one of the, the main things as well, off the back particularly of the, the women's euros, is that Villa Bellas um, are officially partnered uh, with both the men's teams and the women's teams. But we really need to sort of like um, encourage people to go and see Villa Women. We've got Villa Women have got one of the lowest turnouts in the WSL. And it might be because they're, you know, they play the home games in Warsaw, perhaps, or there could be other reasons. But maybe one of them is because people just don't know about the games, or are worried that they're not going to enjoy it. It might be they're worried that the quality—I'll put that in inverted commas—is going to be poor. But then, of course, we've watched the women's Euros and we've seen. You know, the England team, for instance, absolutely smash it. So, with yeah. our first home game, I think it's against uh, Man City women. I mean, they're absolutely sensational as well. Um, so, it'd be really great just for people to start getting into that habit. If, uh, if the you know, Villa men are not at home, you um, mm. can't get away, and you want some live football, then support Villa, but in a different way um, and, and support the Villa women. No longer, and the tickets are so cheap as well. Yeah. So, so cheap. And um, we're talking about like a, a cost of living crisis, and it's so expensive to get to Premier League games. for know it is, but WSL games are cheap as chips. So, it's, um, and, and that's definitely something that's really nice from a family perspective. Mm. Um, A good introduction for kids really getting into football. And it, I guess when they start going to WSL games and they learn to enjoy. Uh, being at football and supporting the players in a really safe environment, that should hopefully translate into them growing up to be adults that don't go absolutely crazy at the football with drinks and drugs and fighting mm-hmm. no. and all of that, you know, we could
1: start them off young it's a totally different atmosphere at the women's games and it's obviously playing played in smaller grounds you kind of get close to them and you feel like you've got better access with them than you do the men's team and yeah. that's exciting for, for kids as well yeah. um, just on the back of the the women's Euro success how much of an impact do you think that will have on first of all like women and, and young girls getting involved in football either playing it or, or watching it? and also from you know, men I guess their attitudes towards women's football oh I
0: think it's massive um, so I've, I've First of all, the last point about men and enjoying it—you, men are have you are allies, and um, so it's it's historically it's been your environment, and we need to feel like we're accepted in there. And it starts off with like, like I said, like dads taking the daughters to the football and getting quite protective with them, and they get accepted in that group, and and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah. There's, there's, no other, there's no way to beat around the bush. like Men, you, you're the gatekeepers here and you have to be the allies and, and, and um, let us in, really. Um, and it doesn't help if you've, you know, there's, there's some men out there um, that got quite archaic feelings on women being at the football, which is bonkers, because women's football used to be, historically, absolutely massive before it was banned by the mm-hmm. FA. Um, and And that's where a lot of the, the sexisms come from, which is, is crazy. You know, women's matches used to pulling thousands and thousands and thousands of people, um, and it was really, really popular up until it got banned. But with England winning the Euros, so many people tuned into it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So many people were really excited about it. You know, we finally brought it home. And then when we, when we actually did it, the amount of people that told me that they got emotional as well. Not just women, but blokes, because we were just we've been waiting so long for some success of some sort, and they did. The women were absolutely super for the whole of the tournament, and to to have won it against a really tough opposition like Germany, um, is it, it's, it, it's it's just amazing. And there's a lot of parallels there, I guess, with it being like England Germany at Wembley, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's. It's been amazing. And and I know that the women's team all got together uh, to release a statement um, for for the education minister, um, generally speaking for for, um, education in general, to make Mm -hmm. sure football is actually on the syllabus at school for girls. So, I mean, you lads probably take it for granted, you know, when you're yeah, thinking yeah. about school and you've got PE and it's like, all right, so we've got football this session and all the lads go to playing field and, and play football. It's not on our syllabus. So I I, I went to school in Birmingham. And, um, I went to St Thomas Aquinas, which used to be a boys' grammar school and then he eventually let, let girls in. And right up to the point when... I went, I was near year seven a long time ago, uh, which was nineteen ninety seven. Um, there was no um, girls' football, it wasn't allowed. We'd asked our PE teacher, you know, are we allowed to play it? And she said, No, the head teacher is not gonna allow it, it's not happening. Um by the time we got to year eight, and there was enough of us that were, you know, fairly talented at, at football. Um, in our year group, where um, our PE teacher really fought for us and finally won, and we got ourselves off the very first girls' football team at St Thomas Aquinas, and we played locally, hmm. and we were quite good, and we won a few, you know, local tournaments and whatnot. I, I also remember um, Birmingham City Ladies coming down and um, scouting, um, and being a lot of us being invited for trials. <laughs> um and sadly i wasn't allowed to go to the trial um that was that was a family thing um oh, wow. and it it made you know it's, it's always made me think what if what mm. if you know i've my primary school, I went to St. Ambrose Barlow. I was in the same class as, as Karen Carney. You look at what she's been doing and it just always makes you think, you know, what could have happened?
1: What a shame. I remember when I was at school, the girls did netball when we did football. Is that, is that the same?
0: Pretty much, yeah. Um, and, you know, netball is a good sport, it is. Um, but football is something that's so easily ac- accessible because all you need is a ball, netball you're gonna to have to find a net as well it's not yeah. so much just you don't just say to the girls oh let's go play some netball down the park <laughs> the park's not got any nets you know whereas it was football we just put up, get a couple of jumpers for goal posts and you can have a kicker out it
1: seems, it seems crazy to me i know matt's daughter play, plays a lot of football so obviously you know times are changing a little bit even since i was in school which was 10 years ago or so i think um Let's talk, in, I want to go on kind of two branches with this question in terms of what people can do more in terms of, um, you know, helping the cause, so to speak. Um, we'll start, with, first of all, from the football side of things, the football clubs and the Premier League and the FA and people like that. I see a lot of stuff about the free period products and the Her Game too and stuff like that. Do you think, we'll keep it to Villa, do you think Villa do enough or can they do more to to help things?
0: To be honest, I, f- I find that Villa are actually pretty inclusive. i um, for instance, free sanitary products have been available for a couple of seasons, actually. I know, mm. like, every now and then on social media, you see someone's been to a club and they'll have, they'll see the um, sanitary products and everyone will go, wow, that's amazing. I just want to let anyone know if they're interested. But Villa have been doing it for a couple of seasons, actually. Mm. Um, and that's helpful when it comes to, like, you know, period poverty and whatnot. Um, it would be handy. I mean, in, in some companies, I know that they also put them in the men's loo's because it, with the cost of living crisis, you know, there's single dads and whatnot, and it should be available rather than mm-hmm. just for the girl to get. If, if a parent needs needs to get it for their kid as well, it'd be helpful because I think the thing is, people <laughs> annoyingly they're seen as a luxury, um, but it's it's a necessity you know mm. the, the adult female population for one week every month has a function that they can't control it's like can you imagine if you like went to the toilets and they were like well you're gonna have to pay for your loo roll you'd be like hang on but we expect loo roll it's like well mm. why do we not expect sanitary products as well because that's that's an involuntary um function that the does require obviously um, some maintenance so that we can go along, uh, uh, um, go along with our lives uh, without, you know, the disruption that and trauma that that, that could bring. So, um, it's it's good that they put those those products out. Um, but I think it, it's deeper than that. A couple of weeks ago, myself and Sarah Breslin got invited down to the Premier League. Um, head offices down in London um, to be part of a listening group about uh, women's inclusion and it was talking about all aspects of the game it was it was about not just uh, our experiences as a fan but there's people that were invited there um, that are staffing clubs um, whether they are female footballers And just the community in general. Um, And so it was at all levels. It wasn't just about the match day experience. It was about levelling up jobs at Mm. the football. I mean, there was one club that boasted that 50% of their staff were women. And then when they actually looked into it, uh, the women's jobs were in like cleaning and catering and they were the lowest paid jobs. It's Mm like when it comes to things like policy or decision-making, why can't women be involved in that? It doesn't require yeah. playing the actual game of football. Like a lot of people in position in football don't either. It's business. Mm. It's it's an industry of its own. Um, and so that's uh, another level of it.
1: And the flip side of the question, the original question I asked then is about what more can, can I do? What more can we do on, on the podcast and social media? we're all men of of you know ages ranging from 21ish to 20 uh, 21 to whatever Matt is 40 something i don't know sorry i don't know Matt. if you are watching how I am going to
0: be so like um, mortified
1: <laughs> i'm sure he's like 40 Four forty-three, 43, something like that. Obviously, I'm not kind of just going to say, oh, we've got this podcast, what more can we do? We're going to start doing this every single week or whatever. But you know, just maybe little things, maybe things we need to keep an eye on when we go to games. Uh, what do we need to be aware of to help um, be an ally?
0: To, to be inclusive would be to sort of like overtly show that, um, you know, you're, you're non-threatening, for instance. So if, if a girl's like getting a bit of hassle from a group of lads, you know, we're not expecting you to sort of step in like a, a knight in shining armour, but, um, I, you know, the kind of gesture to sort of say, oh, you're all right, I'll come on over here. And just those kind of things would, would be be all right if, if, and, and more helpful. Or, you know, if you're hearing stupid chants in stands, when we, you know, when it's like when you hear a homophobic one or a racist one, and we, we all turn around we react to it it'd be hmm. nice if, if people felt that they, they could do that rather than just going on oh, just it's rather not say anything i think the main thing you know you have got an amazing podcast and i've been a fan for a long time and a,
1: oh, i'll you bet know. you say that to all the villa podcasts
0: <laughs> it's you know um it, it's, oh, it's so great to be able to be in, invited on to this one i absolutely love claret and blue and um <laughs> just getting the visibility from uh, some prominent uh, women in the villa community every now and then mm. just dabbling, and then uh, we looked like uh we are just uh a regular supporter like anybody else and as opposed to people that might be what listening into this they might just thinking, "Oh, it's just the token episode um mm. it would be better if it was normalized
1: yeah i certainly wouldn't want that to you know, be the, the message that people think we're just doing this for the sake of ticking a box. Um, that wouldn't be the case to all. Somebody asked actually the other day about whether we do a podcast specifically for the Villa women's side. And I've not replied to it yet, but I was saying to you before we came on, I've said this to a few people that almost don't believe it to be true that I'm a Villa fan, I'm a football fan, but I don't watch much football outside of, of Aston Villa men's games. should clarify that as well. Because I work in football. So when I log off at seven o'clock or whatever, it's quarter to nine as we record this now on, on an evening. If I log off now, I don't really want to go and sit in front of the telly with my partner and watch football because I've been consumed by football all day, like it's a, a busman's holiday, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I don't know much about you know, the other Premier League sides, never mind the Villa Women's side for a, a, a league of football that I don't watch. I don't want to do a podcast about the Villa Women as a box ticking exercise and clearly not know what I'm talking about because that wouldn't be fair either. If we can find somebody to host and produce a, a Villa Women's podcast for and Blue, which is something maybe i need to work out in the background, we'd, we'd, happily, you know, we'd happily host that here. I just don't want to do it for the sake of it. But if that's something we can, can add to the podcast, whether it's a, maybe a monthly update from the Villa Women and we get someone on to, to come and chat about it, then maybe that's something we can do going forward, perhaps.
0: I think, you know, with the growing presence of um, some of the amazing signings that we've got in the Villa mm-hmm. Women team and on social media, Generally speaking, I think most people that uh, absorb this content actually um, would, wouldn't mind, to be honest. A, a, just a bit of a, an update and a roundup of, of you know the women, uh, comings and goings and injuries and uh, latest results and whatnot. Um, but like I said earlier, the tickets is so cheap. Get yourself yeah. down there.
1: Obviously, we saw with the podcast that we did last week about, about Villa and Power, there were people that have a, a an umbrage to, to certain podcasts or certain topics. But, you know, this is free content on YouTube that you don't have to watch. If you've got 38 <laughs> minutes into this video and, and realize this isn't for you, then that's absolutely fine. If you scroll past the Villa Women's video or we do a, a roundup of, uh, you know, September, October, November, what happened for the Villa Women this month and that isn't for you, don't click play. I'd love it if
0: someone got star through and then all of a sudden I'm like, no
1: i don't like this I? I have, yeah I've, I've never understood like angry reviews or negative reviews on on anything like things you can buy on amazon or whatever like, i don't i don't understand it i can't imagine like going to my computer signing into a website, filling in all their details, then going back to the product page, writing an angry review, and sending it, and then reading it back and going, oh yeah, that was all right so when that's a like, kind of hate comment about gay people or women or racism it's like that's another level of of um Scum. <laughs> I couldn't think of a better word. Let's, um, you know, like we've been told to stick to football. We've done that for, for 40 minutes or so. Let's let's move away from football and Talk about running and, and oh, half marathons. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm so just... amazed.
0: I'm so happy that you're going to run this half marathon.
1: Um, oh, oh, you know about it now. So, I mean, that's one person putting pressure on already. Um,
0: well, that's, that's it. Oh, I mean, you opened up and you, it, it's now like twitter official and on spotify (laughs) and youtube everyone knows you're running it now and you can't back out
1: Let's, let's talk about the Villa Running Club first of all, though. It's, uh, an initiative you, you started in the first lockdown, I think it was. Yeah. Um, it, when it was popular to run 5K, uh, Joe Weeks, you know, kind of promoting healthy healthy living and all that kind of stuff. And there was a lot of people doing running in the first lockdown for mental health reasons, for physical yeah. health reasons. Um, and you kind of spotted an opportunity there. So you know, tell us a little bit about Villa, Villa Running Club and, and how that started.
0: Villa Running Club is just a casual running club where the thing that we've got in common is that we support villa and we go running we might not necessarily be good at running there are some people that are like absolute whippets that are in Mm. villa running club and then you've got potatoes like me that sort of just pod along um and you know i i i run less frequently now that I'm back at work full time um because you know, it's, it's a time and energy thing isn't it but I've, I really enjoy it and I just do like sort of imparting a bit of my running wisdom on people and I'm not Paula Radcliffe I'm really not I'm I am a plodder I'm I'm not an expert but I do get uh, you know the benefits that I get from running um more than anything with, with a nine-to-five job it's just. Um, time on my own you know I get my best mm. thinking done in terms of mental health sometimes psyching yourself to go for that run in the first instance is difficult but I promise that like once you're out there and you're doing the run and then when it's particularly when you finish it and all your endorphins are going mm. crazy you feel really good about yourself Um mm. like I said it's that me time where you can just put the world to rights in your head while you're running as well so it's really good just for having that that audit and all
1: your thoughts yeah i got quite into it in in that first lockdown from kind of like late march to probably the september or the october of of that year and i was going maybe three or four times a week 15 20k a week um felt good probably in the fittest state i'd been since i was a teenager and then met somebody moved out had a few takeaways and, and stopped the runs and put on the weight oh it's natural isn't it um yeah, but wanted, so that... wanted to get going again um move, obviously moved to a different area so different routes and stuff like that it's very hilly around here so like, oh, i don't, <laughs> don't know if i fancy it and it's winter and it's cold and I'm, i've got loads of excuses trust me i can keep bringing the excuses <laughs> um but yeah got out of shape a little bit and thought right i need to kind of get back into it and i've tried uh, doing like 60 second sprint, 60 second walk, and trying to get my fitness back, and all these kind of things. And then I ran a 5k, mm-hmm. and my time was way slower than it used to be. And first of all, that kind of discouraged me, thinking, "Oh, I'm not as fit as I used to be. I'm not as good as this as I used to be." So I'm quite competitive. So the yeah. fun thing for me was that, like, if I went on Tuesday and I did it in, I mean, I was again different paces. If I did it in 26 minutes, 5k, I'll be like, "That's a good time for me. I'm happy with that." And the next time I go and if I do it in 25 minutes, 50 seconds, I'll be like, oh, that's 10 seconds quicker. Like, I'm, I've won. Like, I'm better than I was. And that's yeah. like the little fun part for me. Um, so I wanted to get back into it. And then I saw about the Birmingham Great Run, or the Great Birmingham Run, either a 10K or a half marathon. And for some reason, I said, yeah, let's do a half marathon. And here <laughs> we are. Um, and I've got to do it because I've said I'm doing it. So yeah. I set up a group chat for – well, I sent messages to Ash, John, and Pat and said, do you run? And i was like, why? (laughs) I said, "Um, do you fancy doing the half marathon with me for charity? And I said, well, they all said yes, thankfully. So I set up a group, What's WhatsApp group, and we've been chatting in there for the last couple of days. Again, when this goes out, I've done another couple of runs by then. So I'm feeling good. My legs are good, I, I hope. Yeah, so we're doing this half marathon. Like I said, there is a, a a link to donate to us. We're doing it for Acorns and AVFC Foundation. Again, the cost of the win crisis, I appreciate. It's difficult to, to, to donate. But again, a price of a half-time bottle or a programme or a pie or something like that, a couple of quid, will go a long way. We have set a target of £1,874, which I'm, I'm not quite sure we can hit, but it's obviously a nice number for, for Villa fans, uh, 1874 uh, it's the 7th of May 2023 according to their website it's the Midlands biggest and best running event you've done it before yeah myself in for
0: oh look I brought a little prop as well this is a 2022 oh, nice. uh, winner's medal I've got a bull oh, on you did it this year. Well. that's yeah did it earlier this year um yeah. it wasn't a particularly great time to have COVID earlier this year but I was just uh like I said I'm just a potato toe and I'm a plodder and I'm stubborn so I finish things but um yeah. I've done a couple of halves before and um the organization and the setup and everything about the Great Bowen Gun run was fantastic um I, the only thing I would say is it's it is the hardest um, half marathon course that I've ever done. And you've just like thrown yourself right in at the deep end. You've just said your new area is too hilly, but it's perfect for training. Oh, good. <laughs> the Birmingham half has got some hills. Oh, my word. Some oh. absolute sickness. Um But um, it also it's got some really pretty parts of some of the parks that you're going through. and um, Yeah. It, it's in terms of, of uh, like I said, the event itself. It's brilliant.
1: Ash, to be fair, does a lot of running. Uh, he's out every morning, five a.m. Uh, a certain running club doing five k's, which fair play Whoa. to him. Fair, yeah, fair play, really good. Uh, I think his times are pretty decent. I think he said his personal best for something like 23 minutes, which I, again, I've, I've never done it that quick. So that's decent. John said that he's done 10 Ks, but not for a while. So he's got some experience. Ooh. And Pat said, I don't think I've ever finished a 5K. As much as he's a, a big fit athletic lad in terms of running, he's he's not got really the same experience as uh, the others. I said, like, I, I was into it in the in 2020, but that was two years ago. And that was all yeah. So I certainly lost my fitness now. Um <laughs> i've I've read different things i'm not coming in totally cold but i'm gonna ask you for some of your tips in a second it's just certainly kind of building up slow it's not about speed it's about distance and, and endurance so for someone like me who's never run a half marathon before never thought i'd even run a 10k before what are your kind of top tips or best advice for how i approach the next nine months
0: Okay, well, the first one I'm gonna say is is don't ever beat yourself up when you go for a run. So you mentioned Gosh. before about you know you go for a run, you, you get a good time and you go out again, you don't get that time. It, it's disheartening. Don't set yourself those barriers. you can't get a PB every time. So first of all, be realistic mm. with your expectations because um, different things will affect your run day-to-day day in, in a week. Um, it could be you know, your work schedule, your sleep pattern, the food that you've had that day. Just don't beat yourself up if you're not as beating yourself best time because that's that's impossible you, you can't mm. you're gonna have some really good days and you're gonna have your regular days and you'll find yourself in a little bracket of where you know what actually is your average kind of running time and that's your comfortable running time and that's actually what you want to concentrate on make your distance bigger eventually mm. so rather than thinking about getting faster and faster and faster think about where am i comfortable can i go th- further that's the difference. Um, so the next thing that I would say is in building your distance is a really um, good sort of mental method called the lamppost theory, which is just Oh, about- my God,
1: I do this, and I didn't even didn't know I did you? it. Yeah, so when I first got into running, uh, yeah. before twenty twenty, I did I did a little bit, and I think the first I ever did in one go without stopping was like two and a half k, whatever. I was very unfit, and I, the thought of even a five k was like oh, I'll never be able to do that. Twenty five minutes, half an hour without stopping, like, and I need to have a walk or whatever. Like I'll never be able yeah. to do it. Um, but when I used to first get into it, I would I would uh, like run, and like I said about being competitive, I would finish like a bean or whatever and then the next yeah. time I go I'll be like I stopped at that bin yesterday so if I yeah. just get to the traffic lights I've got it. a bit further and then I'll just get to the school next time or, or whatever it'll be so yeah I'll obviously do that already so that's a good tip oh that's yeah, really
0: does good work. that's it definitely um and there's a lot of training programs out there that are free and accessible mm. so um I ran for the villa foundation last year um body more got together a nutrition plan for us um, wow. and a 12 week running plan so that was really great that the club did that for us so if you're running mm-hmm. for the foundation hopefully they'll do the same again this year but to to receive that plan from body more was kind of it felt really special really personal. Yeah, that's cool really motivated me to do that so it's helpful to have um something like that as a guide because if you're not sure what you should be doing what you don't want to do is injure yourself in in the run-up to it um so you you want to you know build up on your fitness so definitely definitely research plan but also in the great birmingham run on the great run website they've also got plans as well i'd also say make sure you've got yourself a really good running playlist, but you need mm. to think your running playlist through. If you've got um, tunes that where the tempo is all over the place, your body will naturally try and match that pace. Um, mm. That will obviously throw out, you know, your, your natural stride. Um, so w- whether you use Spotify or Apple Music or whatever you use, there's actually loads of really good generic running playlists on there. Um, so I'd recommend um, taking a look at some of those um, because they're quite good. It's like that background sort of motivation and, and for, for rhythm and stride and technique. Mm. You can get yourself fitted um, for running shoes. Um, mm. So previously, I've been to running shops where they'll watch your your gait you know, how your foot falls. And you mentioned that when you run slower, you're worried about injuries and, you know, your ankles and your knees, the impact of that. But by having the right trainers, that won't be a problem. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be a problem. Um, and the right trainers is so, so important. Getting your running shoes, is this is another tip then, is <laughs> it's not about what looks good. Yeah. It's what suits your feet. So, for instance, I wish that I could wear Nike because they look good. Pretty cool, but I've got wide feet. Like they're huge, oh. massive things. There are. I've got
1: Nike, and I've got wide feet as well. No oh wear, no right, okay. Shoes.
0: Oh, so um, for <laughs> instance, I'm I, I slightly overpronate, which means my ankles go over a little bit, so I need support. Mm. So for me, I know that the brands for me to go to are um Asics or Saucony uh, or Adidas. I can wear those. Okay. But I can't wear Nike, which annoys me because there's some really <laughs> nice looking running shoes. So you can't buy your running shoe on what you fancy looking at. It's running's not a fashion parade. Um, mm. more often than not, the best running shoes look absolutely honking.
1: I hope that this podcast, has there'll be other people that will be doing this, this run as well. Obviously, the Villa Running Club, I imagine there'll be some people on there that are doing the Birmingham run as well. So if people have stumbled upon this podcast, maybe for the first time, hopefully this has been useful in terms of, I mean, we've covered a range of subjects, but the last 10 minutes or so about, about running, it's interesting to me. I feel like this podcast at this point is just a bit selfish. Like I've just got you on a call to, to help me basically, but I need help. Um, I've, got to, I've got to run um, 13 miles and I'm... Just not in a fit place to do it at the moment. So any advice I can get is is great. Um in terms of going forward in our marathon journey to make it sound absolutely soppy, um, we're not gonna be doing running podcasts every week for the next for the next nine months or anything like that. Um, or check in every so often with Ash and, and John and Pat whenever they're on the podcast talking about Villa, and I'll just ask them. Have you run this week? Like, are you still doing it? How's things, how things going? And the donation link will be in every podcast from now till Mar- uh, May next year. We won't mention it every time, but it'll always be down there. You know, and every month maybe we'll just say, "Oh, we're doing this thing." If you want to donate, that'd be lovely. Um, have I cut you off there? Have you got any more tips, or, or is that your list done?
0: I think, to be honest, that's my list. It's all about mentality as well. So, like I said, don't be hard on yourself. Be realistic. Find your comfortable pace. Sensible running shoes and decent playlist.
1: Mm, okay, yeah, good tips there. Uh, finally, before I let you go, and it is getting late, I apologise. Uh, so we talk about Villa, you know, the the, the men's team and what's going on uh, on the pitch a little bit as well. Um, as we said at the very start of this, we've already played Bournemouth. We don't know what's happened yet because it's Thursday as we record this, but the game will have finished by the time this goes out. Um, but your thoughts on the season generally, are you, are you excited? Are you nervous? What kind of season do you think we'll have? Um, take it away.
0: No, I'm quite, I'm quite um, excited about it. And I'm thinking, uh, you know, my my prediction, I'm going to say this, before we've played Bournemouth and before the season starts, but um, I, I think we've got a squad that could get eighth. Mm-hmm. And I, I would take that. Um, I do see us going onwards and upwards now. I think, you know, Gerrard's going to have, you know, he's starting this season. He's had his pre-season. Um, he's started to have some of his signings. Um, mm-hmm. So there shouldn't be any excuses sort of uh, going into Christmas and whatnot. We should be in a good position before we, we break for the, the World Cup. Um, I only went to... Walsall pre season. I couldn't get to Ren, unfortunately. But, you know, from what I've seen already from um, your likes of Diego Carlos, I mean, the man's a unit. He's so solid at the back. And-
1: his quads. Oh. I wish I had his quads
0: i just think as well um you know he's 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 a world class player and and to have him paired up with mings and and mings not got the captaincy anymore that he can hopefully he can relax and doesn't have to worry about carrying the back of the team because that that's something that i um would say i i saw from the last couple of seasons is people quite happily scapegoat mings very quickly um Pick up for a, a, a mistake, but not all the, not um, recognise the clearances that he does and the way he commands the back of the field. And you know, the fact that it seems to me like every time Mesrikansa gets the ball, the ball goes across to Mings, it doesn't go up the pitch. It's like a lot of pressure is always on him. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. that by having um, a, a, a centre back like Diego Carlos uh, to partner with him. Um, we'll give him the, the, the well we'll relieve some of that pressure um, and we'll see a, a, um, an even better Tyrone rings this season
1: um, what do you make of the striking situation we know now that Cameron Archer is sticking around so it's Archie <laughs> and Watkins as things stand yeah. and I think yeah, you're clearly happy about Archer he's the mo- most exciting one for me because uh, he's still a bit of an unknown he could end up yeah. playing a lot of games like last summer when we did our pre-season preview and we were talking about Jacob Ramsey um, when he started the season, I kind of thought oh, if he plays you know thirty odd games, that means that I haven't recruited very well because he's a youngster. Like if he's playing yeah. a lot of games, I, I, that can't be great. And he has this breakthrough season. I feel like mm-hmm. the, we could be saying the, the same about Cameron Archer. You know, if come yeah. next summer, we might be saying, "Oh, Cameron Archer played started twenty five games and he scored you know thirteen fourteen goals. Like he had a breakthrough season. What what a hero? Um, yeah. So he's kind of that unknown for me that he's exciting. But I'm kind of just, I kind of want to see what his potential is.
0: See, I think he can do it. You know, I was there at the Cup game, uh, Chelsea away last year. And I witnessed Cameron Archer putting a proper decent header in against Chelsea, who at that time were the champions of Europe. He literally Mm -hmm. came on, changed the game and got us an equaliser. I mean, that that was just sensational. I mean, he's so calm and collected for Mm -hmm. such a young man. It's just his he, footballing IQ, his positioning is just ahead of his years. And I think he's going to be absolutely fine. I said on Twitter um, several weeks ago that I don't want to see him go off on loan again. He went to the championship, he absolutely smashed it um, at Preston. And that's the kind of loan that, you know, toughen him up with physicality and whatnot. Then get him into the first team setup. Maybe he starts or maybe comes off the bench. But last season, we came unstuck when Danny Ings was injured and we only had Ollie Watkins as our striker. We had no other striker. We need to have three decent strikers in our first team because injuries are inevitable. We need that cover and that backup. And I think he's he's been developed enough that actually he's ready to step up into the first team. Um he's just he's so exciting to watch he really is and I and I uh yeah I'm a big fan of Cameron Archer um and it just adds a bit more competition for for the uh over two strikers up front so Ollie Watkins and Danny Ings probably underperformed last season we've we've seen mm-hmm. them both miss absolute sitters um but you know, obviously, taking the pressure off a bit—that you know, not all the goals have to come from them. They've, we've got five subs now, haven't we? Let's make the most mm.
1: of it. Yeah, there's got to be more goals from from elsewhere. There has to be more than, than previous seasons. Um, it's good as well, isn't it, that the Cameron Archer scored the winner against Bournemouth on on Saturday? It's great great to see him. <laughs> great to see him do that. Uh, all this is going to sound so out of date, isn't it? When we've lost the first game, Mings didn't even play. We're going to look very silly. Um, Last thing, trophies. Is this the year we finally win some silverware, do you think?
0: Uh, no. Oh. I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to sound like a downer on it. Um, I, I think we need to get a couple more signings in so mm. that we've got that squad depth to maintain, Um, you know, uh, uh, Premier League um performances so that we don't drop down the league. Um while we're trying to do cup games midweek and whatnot, whether it's the the League Cup or, or the FA Cup after Christmas. So um, we always do well in the early stages. And then as soon as we come up against um, top opposition, then that'll be the end of our campaign. So um, I think for us, we need squad depth. So I know that Jared at this time, it might have changed by the time this comes out. But, you know, we're still looking for a number eight, um, which is sensible when you're thinking about the squad depth in, the, in our midfield. And for me, it's the most frustrating thing of last season is, is uh, you know, we played the ball across the back a lot of the time because we just couldn't seem to get it through the midfield. So um, with a ball carrier like Kamara now and... Um, it seems like in the mid-season, uh, in the preseason, that Jared seems to he's, he's looking at ways that we can get like Brundie and Coutinho in the same side. I, th- I think that's that's just exciting. That's just exciting. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe we we get to some semi-finals. Don't think we're getting any silverware this season. Just one season too early.
1: The eighth and a cup semi-final, I think, would would be successful for this season. If we're pushing for for oh, European yeah. places start the season, then you I can't think. ask for any more than that. Danny, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. I've taken up far too much of your time on a Thursday evening, so thank I you very much. I Yeah, that's true. I hope people watch along. Appreciate Danny's time as well. Um, loads of stuff on the Villa Bella, so we'll get a, a link to more information to that in the comments as well. Um, Bedford Lions, I'll put your Twitter down there as well. Um, the Villa Running Club, if you want to get involved with that, if you're a keen runner and you didn't even know that we ran on the podcast, then you learn something new every day. And uh, if you want to support us running the great, Bering and Run, the half marathon, there's a donation link down below as well. As I say, Danny, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, for everyone, for watching this podcast. Uh, well done to Villa for winning 5-0 against Bournemouth on Saturday. Uh, we'll see you all soon. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, up the Villa.